Welcome back to another episode of the Coach's Corner Podcast. I'm excited for today's episode because I'm going to be a little bit selfish at the same time. As y'all probably know, we were holding an event, the COVID, the crisis, the pandemic happened, we had to shift, and it came with some challenges. And one thing I've been hearing over and over and over is I can't wait for things to go back to the way they were. And I know a lot of people have been affected with their events, with their workshops, with their VIP days, with with getting people all together in a room so you can facilitate, you can coach, you can mentor, and then get some clients from those events. And today we brought in an expert who's been doing this for, I have almost 20 years, so it's almost two decades, selling almost yeah, almost eight, two decades, 18 years, yeah, selling yeah. live events, uh, millions of tickets to millions of people, co-founded TEDx Broadway and advises entrepreneurs, co-founder, uh, co-founded Gold Star Events and Stellar Tickets, I have that right, two products, one company, and as a CEO That's of right. both companies, and for someone who's been doing this 20 years, it just, it's so timely. It's funny how these episodes work out because we're always looking for guests. And I, I don't know, like Sarah works some magic of like everything is always so timely to a specific problem that's happening in the world. And if you want to fill up your live events, if you want to fill up your workshops, if you want to get people all together, um, this is going to be really, really helpful. So take some notes and we'll see. The beautiful stuff we'll get into. It will be actionable. So make sure we're taking some notes. Jim, thanks for being here. Uh, my pleasure, Lucas. Um, I, I'm really interested. We were just talking about right before this. I'm really interested in how I was watching an interview on CBS or CBC. I actually, I confuse all the news channels all together. Like, it's all <laughs> the same to me. But anyways, I was watching an interview about how you, um, how you solve the problem of linking events with the consumer, with people looking for things to do. Uh, how'd you get into that? I'm really interested in that. Yeah, it, it was a long and hard process of going one by one. We we started Gold Star in 2002. We didn't have anything to sell, and we didn't have anybody to sell to. How about that? So that's, that's a nice that's way a to problem. start an e-commerce business. Um, but uh, we we knew that we could get the customers there if we had product. So we had to go to venues and producers of live shows and say, hey, we're building this this kind of marketplace, this place where we're bringing together both buyers and sellers of live entertainment, you know, shows and people who want to go to shows and put them in a system where you'll reach new people. They'll save money. We'll do it all. It'll be it'll be a great environment for people to discover and buy their tickets. So, it you know, looking back on it, 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 it was, you know, people ask how we did it. But the reality is we did it the hard way, which was one new relationship at a time with mm -hmm. the organizers and then. Um, as they created content, we went out and built an audience for it through marketing and good word of mouth and good emails and all that other kind of stuff. And, and you know, the funny thing that happens is if you start at that deficit of nothing to sell and no one to sell to and you keep going long enough, it actually has forward momentum instead of being a vicious circle it turns into a virtuous circle. So it took a while, but we got there. That's a pretty common because I share the same. I'm just like I literally went I was in a mall and I was handing out little pamphlets to shop owners to get them into a free session with me. This is back in the fitness days to right. give them a workout. And then I told them if this, if I can blow your mind with this free workout, would you be willing to kind of, um, you know, broadcast me to all of your employees so they can come into the gym. And it was all like very manual, tedious, and there's a million yeah. better ways I could do it. But that's a pretty common story. Like you don't know what you're doing, but you just have this sort of idea. And, and hopefully that, um, I was listening to a Zig Ziglar thing today of like, you, you don't have to be, uh, Great to start. You just have to start to be great. And the overthinking and the trying to make it perfect, I think, unfortunately, 
um, a lot of people don't start. So you started 20 years later. You've got this beautiful company, um, right. Gold Star Events, Stellar Tickets. Maybe on that, what would, what would you have done differently? I mean, it's been so long, there's probably a million things I would have done differently. But in the early days, what I would have done differently, I think, is once we had a formula that w- was working, I probably would have accelerated our staffing and spending. So we, we, we had a kind of a slow ramp up the first two or three years. And even though I think after about a year, we knew we had a pretty good formula. So if I could go back right. and sort of speed up year two, three, four, um, it might, that might have helped a lot. But, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about what you just said. Um, in those early days, you do things that don't necessarily make sense, but they don't, they, they don't have to make sense. I think a lot of people get stuck on that, that, you know, I can't do this all the time. I can't do, I can't do all this manual stuff all the time. You don't have to, but right. what your, your, your problem when you start is that you have to get off the ground. It's kind of like a rocket or a kite or whatever. The hardest thing about flying a kite is getting that thing to the point where it's in the air and, and flying of its own accord. Right. So you, you can't worry about doing the same things that um, you'll do once the kite's flying as you do when the kite is just sitting there on the ground. So we did all kinds of stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. We had to go through all to break that vicious cycle. And one of the things we did, sounds like something you did, was we would go to big companies um, here in L.A. when we where we started and we would say, hey, we'll get you good deals on these events if you'll send an email mm, to your employees mm, to let mm-hmm. us know that we're here. And, um, you know, it worked to get things off the ground, but eventually it was such a painstaking process that we stopped doing it yeah but just because it doesn't work for the long run doesn't mean it isn't going to work to get you to that next stage it's kind of like that hierarchy of needs i was reading it Uh, what's that guy's name with the clockwork the the brilliant business guy who's always writing all these books but it was about like i mean you gotta you gotta make sales you gotta get those first few sales and so it sounds like you did that and i i think you said a great thing in there of you went to companies i was just thinking of how that works for coaches but you're finding where is your audience and who's the gatekeeper who can you talk to to let the gatekeeper yeah. in to your audience? And I think we could probably talk about that. Of, of a lot of people think that they got to launch all these crazy ads, and I've seen coaches launch sold out workshops, no ads. Like, who are the gatekeepers in the city and the town you want to launch the workshop? And how can you create a win win situation? Um, not just what's in it for yourself, but how can you create a win win and let the gatekeeper in on the audience? So it sounds like you did that with these companies in the early days. Yeah, you you got to lower the risk and give people a motivation that it's just really hard to say no to. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because if you if you do that, and and that and that goes to the idea you were just saying about thinking about what they might want, what would really be a value, yeah. you know, to somebody. In our case, it was going to HR departments and saying, "Hey, do you want to add a free benefit for your employees?" Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it was something we sort of made up, but the idea was that all of a sudden they could offer. Um, a, a web page full of great event offers, really high quality uh, offers with discounts on them yeah. for free. And we yeah. would customize the page. And for us, of course, I mean, that was the, that, that was the business we were in. So it wasn't like we were giving anything away. We were, we were giving them something very useful. Um, but framing it in terms of what would be desirable to them, desirable to them is being able to say, Hey, everybody, I went out and got you this thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it doesn't hit their budget. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. So, yeah, that 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 is a lot more effective than this idea of just advertising. I mean, that that's a hard way to go if no one knows who you are. 100%. Love that. Love that. Uh, so I, I have this one phrase written out because I've heard it about 100 times and I just, I kind of cringe. And maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right, but this is just personal opinion of like a lot of people are saying, 
I can't wait to go back to the way things were. Like when all this goes back to normal, I'll just start working on my business again or yep. I'll just do the marketing the way I used to do it or I'll just hold my workshop in advance. And I'm sure that we'll all be meeting up and there'll be workshops and events. But I think this was a great, for me, myself as well, an eye-opener of have multiple offers and backup plans. I can run these workshops in person or online at a flick of a button and finding yep. ways to facilitate better. So what's your um, stance, view, idea on anyone who's maybe thinking or wishing that it could go back to the way it was. Um, and then we'll get into these live events and doing it, or sorry, doing the online events rather than the live yep. events. But what's, what's your kind of view on that? Well, I think that the future of in-person events is, is bright. I, I think people are going to want to do that because it's just fun. It's more so fun. fun. It's more, it's more enjoyable. You know, you get more out of it. Um, but I think the overall idea of, I can't wait for things to go back to the way they were. There's really no, there's no reason to think things will go back to the way they were. Some things will will probably kind of resemble the way they were, but whatever we're coming out of this as is going to be different than the way we went into it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean every single thing will be totally different, but I mean, I've, I'm more, I'm, I don't know, I'm of the view that if we miss the opportunity to come out better, then we've really missed an opportunity because you know there's a lot that needs to change. My my view on this is there's there's a lot of stuff that ain't great. You know, there's a, about the way we do business, about the way that we market, a whole bunch of, in every field, there's a whole bunch of things where maybe we ought to set our aim a little higher and say, you know, how do we, how do we come out of this a little better rather than just longing to go back? So there, there will be some things we can't go back to. There will be some things that I hope we don't go back to, you know, mm-hmm. um, sort of as a society and as a business community. So I don't know. I, I think um, in Um, and I think the question is going to be twofold. One, how do you really lean into what it means to have an in-person event to really play that for all it's worth? And the second thing is, how do you integrate the online component of an, of an event to really make the, the whole thing synergistic with each other? Well, and, and I was on, on that. It just came to mind. I was watching um, a Tony Robbins thing lately, and it was so cool how he had it set up of like he ran his personal power or whatever they call it where he's yeah. got 10 or 20,000 people in a room sometimes, and, you know, Tony's energy. But he ran it in, uh, I guess there was some kind of studio set up for him, and it was a big round, it was a huge screen, and he could see there was 10 or 20,000 people, or maybe even 40,000 people at his event. Yeah. What, just, yeah. Have you seen this a few weeks ago? I, I, I think I've seen this setup, but I didn't see the actual The photo event. was incredible. It was like he was standing in the middle on his mark, and... He could look around, and I guess all the three D, however the cameras were set up, the viewer felt like they were there in the audience. But right. you could see every face. So I guess you know every face was broadcasted. But I remember him talking about just like the energy. He was kind of worried about, well, maybe I won't be, I won't have that same energy, that feedback. But by seeing everyone, and he was always walking around and talking to individuals. However, the technology was set up. I thought, like if Tony can do it for a room of forty thousand people and keep the energy high, we can yeah. do it for a room of thirty or fifty. Uh, people and still deliver value. And I know there's this fear, myself included, the first time of, well, I, I just don't get that component. I can't touch somebody. I can't, I can't see someone how they're breathing. I can't see if they're actually getting it. I can't all those subtle body language things. I was really worried that maybe I couldn't facilitate or yeah. get through to people like I can in person. And I, it was different, but it's figureoutable at least somewhat figure outable. Uh, so when you're going from in-person to online, any ideas or tips that you have, how you can facilitate, keep the energy, keep people engaged, um, 
in a way that you can in person? Well, yeah, I, I think you're right. I, th I think this is a process of adapting, yeah. right, and adapting the tools. I mean, one of the things which we haven't talked about Stellar yet, but Stellar is our what we call total show management system for online events where you can produce an event, ticket it and stream it on, on the same platform and all the other parts that go with it. Um, and one of the things that we built into, into Stellar, and it's just the beginning, is reactions and chat. So the audience is sitting there, you know, doing thumbs ups or hearts or whatever. And you can put up a monitor where you as the speaker are actually seeing that happen. You know, mm. you're seeing the comments, you're seeing the reactions. And I think it's, it's just the beginning. I think a, a setup like the one Tony has is amazing. Most people probably won't have something like that. But, um, it, you know, it's all about thinking about how do I how do I create that, right? There, there's there's ways to do it, whether it's things like reactions in chat, like we're saying, or um, I don't know, just just um, some modification that's less expensive than <laughs> the Tony Robbins 40,000, you know, face screen setup. Yeah. Um, I, I, th I think if nothing else, um, especially if you're using one of the tools that actually puts a camera on the participants, Make sure you can see it. Yeah, like if right. you're stand, doing a stand-up presentation, let yourself see that. You know, just just to see to see those faces is a, is a big thing, right? Um, give, and I do think that what we've done on Stellar with this little piece is pretty good. Give people a way to show how they're feeling about something. You know, um, it could be high tech like our solution, or it could be low tech like people could people could hold up a card or who, who knows what, right? Like the, the, who, some some kind of way of signaling, you know. That uh, that they're enjoying what they're saying, or or virtual applause, that that type of thing, um, and I think the other thing is just to, as a presenter, is just to get used to the idea that you're talking to people who aren't right in front of you. I, we've been doing, um, in inside the company, we do a, a virtual chat every Thursday. It's basically just me talking to the camera, and um, we do it over Stellar, and I'm watching the reactions come flying up yeah. but at the same time i'm also not seeing anybody because this you know it's a it's a two camera setup and yeah. we're doing all this stuff um but but i think if you mentally just kind of put aside that you're not seeing it you can still it's just, it's just that sort of summoning up of extra energy i would say so yeah. i it, it i think you said it you said it well it's figure outable figure you know outable, everything, everything what are yeah, like what, what are the things you can do to remind yourself of the audience it, see it if it's possible to give them a way to input into the event itself and to also just mentally, re, you know, remind yourself that you're there to serve, right? Like for coaches, this is a big thing, right? You're, you're not there to, to gain the approval of the audience. You're there to help the audience with something, right? So that's the sort of mental psych up part of it that I think goes well too. I think that was, was, was difficult to me. Um, I mean, I've been doing Facebook Lives for a while, and that's even harder because you, you actually can't see anyone. And sometimes I get yeah. into a pattern for 20 minutes where I just, after 20 minutes, I realize I'm just talking. I And I used to re-listen to them to see how I could get better. And I'm just like, I was just talking without even thinking of who I'm talking to. And now it's like every few minutes, just a check-in of, wait, 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 is this serving? A quick check-in of like, thumbs up, thumbs down. Is this helping? Yeah. Is this helpful? Would you like me to keep going? One to 10, how engaged is it? Like, is this helpful? Um and that's on a Facebook Live. So in a Zoom room or in using Stellar technology or whatever technology you're using, um, I think there's a little bit more feedback. But just always asking for feedback and trying to figure out what is the energy in the room. Because it's, I mean, you'll lose people if you're just talking. If you have the, you know, here's an idea. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Uh, here's an idea that, that I've seen people do in, even in a, 
traditional Zoom format or a panel, you know, like a panel discussion on Zoom is you just throw something out to the audience if they can chat to say something like, hey, everybody. And I've heard people say it's just random things. Say something like before we get started, we just kind of want to warm up. Where is everybody right now? Right. Just type it into your chat. And so then that, you know, so then you've got a scroll of things Mm -hmm, and you're mm -hmm, reading it off mm -hmm. Pasadena, Dallas, you're in, you know, New Zealand, whatever that, you know, or you can say something like, um, um, name a recipe you've learned during the, during quarantine. Right. And people will type in, you know, I learned how to make peach pie. And that's just a way of sort of bringing the audience straight into it. And all of a sudden it feels like you're not alone. Just seeing that scroll of things reading them off and and it, it just it just pr- strangely brings a ton of energy right into the room very quickly it sounds like this is a kind of fundamental room you uh, rule you keep mentioning of how did you word this earlier but you worded it basically in um you know how can this be a win-win what's in it for them uh when you're going up to these companies how can i how can i create a win for them and it sounds like it's sure. also it's the same mentality i mean if you're of service uh gold star events stellar tickets TEDx Broadway is probably built on how can this serve, how can this help, and coaches are doing the same thing. I guess it's just easy to forget sometimes, but how can you serve, how can you help, how, how can you solve some problems? I mean, you guys, that, that's what you do, right? If you, totally. a coach isn't, isn't providing a service or you know really helping somebody with major things, they're not doing their basic job, right? So I just, just you know, I think you've got to remember you're, you're stepping into a microphone or staring into a camera lens but on the other end of it are people that it's your job to serve and to help. And I think that's why people are in the, in the job, right? They I assume it. that they love that, it. Yeah. That, that's what they're all about. I, I ask this question of myself every week is if I got, you know, a hundred million dollars, what would I do? And if yeah. another answer came to me, I'd probably go down that path. Like I'm not into <laughs> doing something I don't want to do, but this, this is what I would do. Like there's um, maybe I change a few things, but this is what I would do. I'd probably put $10 million in, a book deal in advertising and become number one, but this is what I would do. And, and everyone I ask this question is, uh, answers it the same way as I, I, I keep being a coach. It's not, I, yeah, people who do it, love it. Why are so, why are people so resistant to change? So with everybody saying, well, in person or they're resistant to getting online. And I think this is a universal, like entrepreneurs or just people in general, right. Resistant to change than anyone who's maybe having a hard time with this transition or just, you know, struggling to see the opportunities, which I think there's many. Why, why do you think they're so resistant, resistant to change? Well, I think one thing that some people, and actually we, we just asked a whole bunch of event creators this question recently. So I actually have some fresh data on this, at least some fresh ideas. One thing is that some people think it just won't be long till they don't have to worry about it. Right. Uh, and things will go back to normal. And of course, they've been saying that since March. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I think that misses the fact that there's an opportunity here, even when the in-person events come back. But I, I think the second thing is just the the idea that I got to figure this out. Like I already figured it out. You know, if, if somebody's had success, if they're doing in-person workshops that really are great and people are coming and they're paying, then it's it's almost like I'm being put back on square one and I got to make my way all the way up to the place I was at before. And there's no guarantee that I'll get there. Right. You know? So it's this sort of like, Oh God, really? I have to figure this out again. You know? Um, and I guess I would, I would say that's, that's very understandable. Like, do I have the technical chops to do it? What do I have to do to make it good? Even though it's online, right? Like a whole lot of things. Is it going to be amateurish? Right? Like how do I, I know that my in-person event is great. 
but I don't know yet how to make sure my online event is great. Yeah. So I don't want to put something out there that's not great. Uh, how do I, yeah. how do I, as you were saying, like, what, what, what did you say before you, 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 you start and then you get great rather than yeah, you, you old Zig Ziglar. I was just talking about it today, but I just it just has such an impact on me because because um, I truly believe in it. But I mean, you don't have to be great to start; you just start to be great. There you go. That that's it, right? So the same thing applies here with online events. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, it's it's almost like the curse of having some success is that you you don't want to have to go through what you went through to get where you got before. Um, but we're just in a moment where I, I guess it's not just it's not just the survival thing. It's also um, it's also the fact that there is an opportunity here. So the, the limitation with in-person events has always been mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that if the person's not in the room, they don't get to be there, right? It's just, it's just not happening for them. So what I talk about with, with show producers is for every one person that paid a, for a ticket and they made it into your building and they get to experience the show, there's probably at least 99 or maybe 999 yeah. mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. the world that would be there, be, that would be interested, that would love to see the show. And the technology of an in-person event simply doesn't allow it. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden, everybody's doing things virtually. Everyone's gotten familiar with this technology and they've gotten comfortable with it to one degree or another. If we learn how to do it right, you just blow away that limit. Mm-hmm. You, it doesn't mean the in-person version isn't more valuable because it is, right? In the future, I envision that some people will pay, you know, like as you were talking about, $300, you know, to go to one of your workshops and be there in person. Yes. And 10 times more will pay $30 to do it remotely. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I love that because I remember when this happened, I'm like, opportunity, 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 opportunity. Yeah. Someone doesn't have to spend $1,000 on flights. I can market that. Opportunity. Right. There's no $3,000 of hotel rooms for two days. Right. I can market that. Dates, now, like, we can just handle more objections. And then the one objection that comes up is, I just want my in-person. But then if you can if you can show them, like, what how much money they're saving on not all of this stuff, because it is technical. I've had many events that I wish I could have gone to, but I'm like, the travel day, it just doesn't make sense to pay eight grand to get there right. for two days. And then it just didn't make sense. So I, I love what you said because it was a thought this morning of like when we go back to launching in-person, we'll have one tier for the in-person, people coming yeah. in who actually want to fly in and pay the premium, and one yeah. tier for those who want to sit back and, and not have to travel for two, three days and, and, um, and whatnot. So we, this workshop we just launched literally goes live tomorrow. We said the same thing of like here's all the money you're saving. And here's what you're missing out. But when you look at these two things, yeah, you miss a little bit of the in-person stuff, but yeah, when you compare well, the I two, mean, if if I would go so far as to say that, think about how when in-person events are back, about how you can lean into the value of the in-person event. Maybe it goes from being three hundred dollars yeah. to a thousand because you really, you know, you really invest in yeah. the the thereness of it, right? Like the physical the physical presence of it. I mean, you know, we all know that one of the reasons that one of the main reasons that we go to big conferences and things like that, it's not necessarily the content though the content is good. It's, it's the bar in the hotel with everybody after the conference in the evening and all the just relationship building and relationship strengthening and the fun and the, Mm -hmm. you know, little, little bit of, 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 uh, you know, craziness and camaraderie that comes mm-hmm. into it. So mm-hmm. how do you make that better, right? Mm-hmm. Like how do you how do you enhance that aspect of it and make it something that's worth even more, right? So you could stretch out that business model even more. I love that. I love that. Keep your eyes open to the uh, to the opportunities. You said one thing that 
I want to bring up because I just had this conversation a few days ago. I made this realization uh, two years ago, and I seem to re-realize this, if that's a word, every three months. But I remember being like, when I was, I, you know, I just started. I'm like, hey, when I have 15 clients, all of my problems will go away. You were talking about the success thing and like the when is yeah. this going to end? And they didn't. Like they did for a day or two, and then I realized I have a whole slew of program or problems, new problems. When I make a hundred grand, two hundred fifty grand, five hundred grand, an eighty thousand dollar month, thinking that everything will be fine, and yeah, I remember just waking up some mornings, asking myself like, when is this going to get easy? And finally, when I asked myself a different question of, or at least I I, I reframed it to like, I am literally going to be problem solving for the rest of my life. That's my job, and I'm looking forward to walking into the problems and always problem solving. Um, have you found that to be true or is you've been doing this 20 years or is there eventually some time where there are no more problems? So that's why when this COVID thing happened, I was kind of like, yeah. well, this is my job. Like I'm going to pivot and, and solve problems. Like it wasn't a bummer for me, but a few years ago it would have been cause I'm like, can't it just be easy for once? And I, it just seems to never end just different problems. I think you're, tra- you're talking about trading problems that you, you don't want for problems that you do want. Right. The, the problem of how to um, scale and serve more people, the, the problem of how to uh, coordinate and deliver an excellent, you know, um, an excellent um, workshop for big money for a bunch of great clients. That's a problem you'd rather have compared to the problems you have when you're starting. Right. Where it's like, how do I just scratch and claw my way to enough bucks to get through the month? Right. Yeah. yeah. So you're not going from one problem to zero problems. You're going from one problem to one more interesting, better problem. Yeah. Um, I mean, the work we, as human beings, our job is to, is to do stuff, right? Our job is to get, get to work, make things better. And and especially in a coaching profession, right? Your job is, is basically just about problem solving, right? Like inherently. Yeah. So I, I would think of it less as things get easy. It's, it's just how interesting and large are the problems that you have yeah. You know, for me, the bigger and more interesting the problems are, the the better, right? Like in, yeah. in terms, if I'm if I'm trying to figure out how to get, you know, millions of people taken care of rather than hundreds of people taken care of, that's a good thing, right? Yeah. So yeah, and it can be a very much you're like, oh my god, how are we going to do this? But it's like, hey, that's a better problem, right? Like much we all problem. start with pretty pretty simple set of problems, right? How do how do I feed myself? How do I pay my rent, et cetera? Yeah. But uh, they, hopefully the problems get bigger and more interesting as you go. I, I, I was reading a little while ago something that went, and I, this blew my mind. The guy had an opportunity to be in a room of some of the 25 most successful entrepreneurs in the world, like, these, like the, big, the guys who changed the industry. And he could ask a few questions for his book. And, and one of the questions was, what time in your career do you wish you could go back to? And almost mm-hmm. every one of them said the startup years, like the, in the garage before all the investors and now I have to watch what I say and if I say the wrong thing I'm you know like up at yeah. the top I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of spinning plates and so every time I start thinking of like ah this is like we didn't make our $80,000 sale target I just go back to wait like remember when I was trying to make 1500 bucks like that I, yeah. I'll choose this problem and quit complaining and let's move forward no doubt no yeah. doubt yeah so cool so okay so a coach is listening to this they've maybe maybe you've held some in-person workshops, maybe you've held some small online workshop, but you really want to get serious. You see the opportunity. You understand that if you can get 50 people in a room, blow their minds. And remember, as a coach, you 
you can sell by like telling, but by showing or by having someone experience it, uh, it's so much more powerful. So even if you can get people in a room, like a lot of our clients will do $49 or $97 events, pre-qualifies people, get 50 people in a room, blow their minds with your level of intuition, um, give them $1,000 of value so they leave being like, I can't believe that. What could it be like if I could work with this person one-on-one, if I could work with this coach one-on-one? So hopefully you see the value in that and you see the opportunity. I also don't want to steer anyone wrong by just giving another marketing tactic. If you're doing something that's working, uh, double down on it. Like I just don't want to do the disservice of being like, write a book and do a workshop and start a podcast all at once because that's probably a bad idea. But if, if this is an avenue you want to go down on, how would you recommend, and you've been in this for 20 years, you've seen probably events succeed, you've probably seen events fail, not enough tickets sold, so you probably have some good data or ideas on what what makes an event sell. Like, what are some of the biggest, mm, I'm going to say benefits, but more so than that, some of the biggest points that you've seen make right. an event fail or succeed when it comes to the sales of? Yeah. Um, one of the, one of the most important things with any event, and this, I would say it's not specific to coaches by any means, but mm-hmm. what it's called and how it appears in the places where people encounter it to, to purchase, like on a place like gold star or whatever, whatever website or whatever that people will find it, the, the name of the thing and the, the material, like the imagery and the words that are used to describe it are super important. They're so important. Um, you know, the, the event image, which usually online, every event that you're selling has some kind of image next to it, right? Like it's the whatever, Lucas yeah. Fest, whatever yeah. it is, when there's an event event image next to it. it that, that image is basically the thing that um, gives people an idea of what the feel of the event is and how, how much production value there is. And it's not necessarily fair because mm-hmm. you could have a great event that is beautifully produced and you kind of just use the image as sort of an afterthought. Um, but I'm telling you that that's really important. The, the other thing about the, the, the name is that this also kind of puts, puts a, a ribbon on the whole thing for people. So if it's a, if it's like a long cumbersome name, I mean, you know, you think about um, <clears throat> a million ways you could describe a coaching workshop, right? Some, some of them are going to be good, accurate descriptions of it, but they might sound boring. Right. It can't sound boring, right? I mean, I'm not telling you to pretend it's something that it's not, yeah, but yeah. push a little bit further to try to get the name that makes people go like, "Ooh, what's that?" You know, that's really important. And the, and then I would say in the description of it, in the the brief description of it, you're talking about you you want to say two or three things that provide um, hooks, and by that I just mean give me two or three good reasons that I should be be interested enough to do this. You know, if it's a if it's a play. Or, for example, you might say something like the lead actor was the guy in Friends or something like that. And then people go, oh, that guy. Right. Like, right. it's you know, if it's a if it's a concert and in, in, it's a band, hey, here's this band. and They're having this concert. Say they had this hit song from. Do you remember the hit song? Blah, blah, right. blah. And you, and you go, yeah, I know that hit song. Cool. I'm now I'm now I'm I'm in the game. Right. Um, cool. So cool. it's yeah, it's hooks. It's it's the name. It's the image. I mean, those are those are real basic things. But Sounds very like important. we're we're talking about the concept of, uh, well, a book like who cares what information is in the book? It could be information that'll make you a million dollars in a day or make you famous overnight, like the information, but the right. cover, the title, what catches someone's eye? And can you get them just to read the few points on the back of the book enough to either purchase it or at least crack it open? 
so right. they can skim the the chapters and maybe get a get an idea of what's in store for them if they buy this book. Sounds like we're talking about well, I mean, one of the more important rules of marketing of like get the attention and, and grab it just for thirty seconds so they can understand what's in it. I if you don't, how you you don't stand a chance, right? Yeah. Like you'll they'll never know what's in that brilliant book. So cool, so cool. And and when you're um, like obviously, I think everyone is familiar with and. Um, uh oh, what's that event? Uh, Eventbrite, right? Is it Eventbrite? It is Eventbrite because we've used it. Ticketing maybe company. Uh-huh. maybe yeah. it's just Canada. I don't know. Is it in the States? Yeah, oh yeah. They're yeah, all great. So they give you that little chunk of space, chunk of time, just so I'm clear. So you have um, bands, um, entertainment, events, what have you. Use your technology. Do they do the marketing or do you and your team create? Uh, you know, the, 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 some of the marketing around it, or is it a platform that, how does that work? On, on gold star, we tend to write it for the gold star audience because cool. we know that audience yeah. on stellar. That's more of a, that's more of a, you're on your, your, it's your platform. It's your ticketing system. So you can, we'll help, you know, if you'd like. Um, right. but, uh, but yeah, they, they would do that themselves. There. So cool. 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 Yeah. Cool. Cool. And then, um, any other little tips? So hopefully you see the mm, the impact an event can have and i know you do and maybe the listener is thinking about doing an online workshop and they understand the description and the title and packing it with value any other tips from the 20 years of just seeing these successes failures and things happening that you could add um I love learning from mistakes. Every time I talk to someone successful, I'm like, what are all the mistakes you've made? Because I'm going to jot them down, and yeah. it's probably going to save me about five years of pain. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of obsessed with trying to figure that out. Like, the success is great, but I want to know the failures. Anything else that, that you've seen that have just we can avoid if we want to keep tweaking and making this happen? I think that right now with online events, you are better off putting a little more into the production and charging a little more than doing something slapdash and charging nothing or charging very little. Like a lot of people are making that mistake. A lot Why of people are thinking, because they feel like it's the easy way to experiment, right? And and I think also as soon as as soon as we all went into quarantine, everyone was doing all these free shows and free this and free workshops and free that, right? Yes. Um, and they just weren't very good because people were thinking, well, they're free. You right. know, they're they're kind of thrown together and they're. They're there to help people, and that was good in a way. Um, but where we are now, that that phase is kind of behind us. And I say quality in, value out. Like if you put quality into the thing, you should expect people to have to. You should expect to get value out in the form of people paying for it. So if any, if you're going to err on the side of, of too cheap or too expensive, err on the side of too expensive right now when it comes to online shows, and then figure out how to make it really, really worth it as opposed to the other way where I've seen a lot of people who've done very slapdash shows. You know, there's this sort of funny story of a comedian who was doing a sort of $5 Zoom comedy from the sofa thing, literally leans over and takes a bite of pizza, like during during the performance. You know, it's right. like, this is not, you know, I this see. is not something. I think it's kind of like, well, I'm not charging for it. So it's, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give it all I can. Well, that that's sort of a self-reinforcing loop, right? Great. So you got to go the other way with that loop. And um, it's it's good because you can still experiment inexpensively because it's an online format. You can you can start small and just see, like push it till the you can't till you can't deliver a product good enough for the price or people stop buying. Right. That's yeah. and do it at a small scale. 
because if you if you fail, you're not gonna you're not gonna lose much. It's not like having yeah. to rent rent all the facilities and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you succeed, you'll know that you've got maybe more room above yeah. that in terms of price and, and size and everything. I like that was that was one of my biggest fears when I first started. Is I'm like, okay, I'm gonna invest three, four, five grand. It was a very small little workshop up front. Yeah. And I don't know what's gonna happen now online. I'm just like. Well, it doesn't work. It's cool. We can pivot and shift it. If only five people enter, great. We can create more VIP experience. Right. And if 50 people come, we'll figure it out. It's not the, like it's it's not a huge deal. There's room to play. And you can do a lot in terms of, um, I mean, you, you can do a ton when it comes to production value for relatively little money with yeah. an online event. So cool. So cool. And it, it sounds like you touched on the idea of perceived value. So if people just perceive something as free, uh, well, we're giving our brains and our bodies for free and most of us... Yeah, don't do much to develop that, but we're more interested in a, in a new purse or a new car when that's replaceable. So it sounds like if you're just sort of giving it for free or a few dollar, hey, come join, um, you know, people won't take it as seriously. And I think a lot of the people listening here are doing an event because they'd like clients and customers for a more reoccurring relationship basis. And so just be aware, like, who is it you're bringing in? And are they actually your clients or are you doing it for um, vanity metrics and just trying to get some people in just to get people in and talk? It's a good, it's a good point. So yeah. cool, so cool, Jim. If if people want to discover a little bit more about you, check out Gold Star, check out Stellar, or just learn a little bit more about what it is you do, where can they find you? Well, I'm at Gold Star Jim uh, on Twitter. Uh, that's just me. Gold Star is goldstar.com and Gold Star everywhere else in the world. Um, if you wanna, if you're thinking about putting on a professional online event, go to StellarTickets.com. And just drop us a line and we'll be in touch about that. That's that's for sure happening. And if you want to know more about me, uh, jimmccarthy.info or LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm easy cool. to find. We'll, we'll have all the links below. And I end each episode with one question. Um, and if you take 10 minutes to answer this, it's totally cool because <laughs> we can cut this all out. Right. Is if you could go back to 20 years and this can be professional. This can be, this can be personal. This can be whatever it is. We've had all kinds of answers for family, kids, whatnot. But if you could give yourself one little nugget or like knock on wood, if, um, if, if you just had to leave something for the world because you were to move on, what, what would, what would that be? What would that message be? What would that, um, that, 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 that sliver, that nugget be? I think that, um, you know, maybe maybe just the process of getting a little bit older and maybe what we've all gone through this year has, has made me realize something that I think is always it's sort of right right there, right out right outside our conscious minds. And we know it and we push it aside, which is that we're all here for each other. Right. That there isn't really any other purpose for our lives or for our existence that, that you can really speak to other than that we're here to support and love and, and just facilitate each other's well-being, right? Like what else could we possibly be here for? And I, I think as you, as you look around the world today, I just, if, if there was something that, that people could walk away from, it's like, get, wake up every morning and bring your full energy to making contribution that, you care about and that makes a difference. And remember that this is what we're here to do. We're, we're here um, to do the work of human beings, to, to you know, build our, our societies, build our nations, build our cities, build each other. 
Um, and if you just look at it that way and, and not so much from the superficial things that you can take out of each day, you'll, you'll be a ton happier. And I think the world's be a, a lot better off. And I think the more I focus myself on that, the better work I do, the more value I deliver and, and the, the more successful I am, but it's also internal, yeah. right? It's not just external success. It's that idea that like, yeah, I'm doing something and I know that it's, um, it's making a difference for people. Um, and it is right. So it, it frees me up to do good thinking and to do good work. And if everyone did that, I think we'd all be, be better off. Agreed. Uh, and that speaks to me on a very deep level. Cause it's something that I've been much more realizing the last three months has been very internal kind of work of like, huh, what is next? Like, what does next even mean? Like, what does that actually mean? So it's been, I'm, I'm hundred percent on board with that. I love that. Thanks for your time, Jim. Appreciate you. All the links for Jim's stuff is below, and we'll see you in the next episode. All right, so as always, I just want to finish off the episode with saying thank you for listening. These episodes are 100% free, and they're dedicated to helping you build your coaching business because there are clients out there just waiting for you to reach them. They're waiting for you to give them a result. So do not give up on your dream and never give up on your business. Again, these episodes are 100% free. All I ask in return is that you give it a thumbs up, you give it a like, you give it a little bit of love in the comments or the reviews, and you share it with one or two coaches who you know could use help building their coaching businesses. That's it. I'm done. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.